So today's program is for caring people, especially people in health and wellness industry. How do you find joy amongst, amongst so much suffering and challenges we see all around us all the time? When we see so much suffering, it is hard to even imagine that there could be joy within that suffering. But we have to provide that to people we serve, but we cannot provide unless we find the joy within ourselves. Would you like to find some practical tools to help you get through your journey from stress to joy? Then you are in a treat today as our guest Lisa Dunlap shares her own story. Please uh, give us a thumbs up if you are interested in this topic. Thank you, friends, for joining us today. I'm sure you're going to learn a lot. Thank you, Lisa, for joining. Thank you for having me. So Lisa Dunlap is a resilience coach, an integrative nurse practitioner and wellness educator who brings 13 years of combined nursing and nurse practitioner experience. Her certifications in healing touch, reflexology, clinical aromatherapy, combined with training in mindfulness and self-compassion offers a comprehensive and holistic approach to healing transformation. Her vision is to create a global community that nurtures human connection and empowers self-healing. If this is the first time you are joining us, my name is Dr. Rosina. I'm an MD psychiatrist, best-selling author and speaker. I started this program, Happy and Healthy Mind, because I truly believe a lot of suffering can be prevented with simple mind training. Therefore, over here, we share practical tips for your mental fitness so you can function at your best without burnout and unnecessary suffering. As these programs are for educational purposes, please refer to your healthcare professional for any specific advice. If you would like to get all the resources that we share in these programs, you can do that by texting word joyful, J-O-Y-F-U-L, to the number 38470, or visit us at happyandhealthymind.com. So let's jump in the topic right away. So Lisa, can you tell us why did this topic become so important for you? Oh, yes. Thanks for asking. I think, you know, we all go through suffering and uh, being a mother, a working mom in the healthcare world for 13 years, it was about my time to hit burnout. And that was a year and a half ago. And of course, when you're in it, you don't see it. So it wasn't until six months down my journey that I could really see it for what it was. And, you know, this is King County, Seattle, and I was on the front lines going into multiple nursing homes a day right where uh, COVID began. And so uh, some of those nursing homes were, you know, the super thick hotbeds. So here I am going in and out of these nursing homes and I'm suddenly dealing with my own debilitating uh, low back, sciatica, hip pain. And I'd been super active my entire life, running lots of, you know, races and doing all kinds of fitness. And, you know, childcare was dropping and, you know, we had no PPE at the beginning and it was a, just this high anxiety time. Well, lo and behold, I, I overnight, I came to this point where I just couldn't walk. Um, that and I had no reason. Yeah, couldn't walk. And I was so debilitated. And, you know, there was no injury, nothing. And so I had to go on disability. And when you're 
roles are stripped from you, all the things that serve you and bring you worth and, you know, you know, being fit and going to work and being a mother, suddenly you're at home and you're very quiet. And with the pandemic, about two months into this journey, going to many doctors, trying to find diagnoses, trying to put my finger on, what is it? What's going to cure this? And, um, you know, we're, we're all, we were in lockdown. So it, it became this really, there's no resources. None of my usual stuff was going to work. And they started to find out I had some SI joint problems and nerve problems, but the cause wasn't found. And so, you know, first step in this journey was that humble feeling of being a patient as a provider and being it's put so into- It's so hard. Body. It's so hard for us. <laughs> I remember, and, you know, I still- kind of have struggled. Doctors and nurses make pretty bad patients. <laughs> oh my gosh. And, you know, being put in a box, I was called a drug seeker, your chronic pain patient. You, you know, I, I was like, and I believe in all holistic alternative things, but I was in so much pain. I couldn't work. I couldn't sleep. So it was at that point. That was wake up call number one about, okay, what's really going on here? And what is this journey about? What am I supposed to learn? Wake up call number two, about three months into this journey was a phone call that you never want to get. And it was from my OBGYN. And she said, you know, we found a mass in your ovary. Oh my God. Size of a grapefruit and it's solid. Oh my God. And we don't know what it is. Can you please rush in? <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine the, the horror, the shock yeah. you must have gone through. Yeah. And as a, hospice nurse practitioner at the time, I knew, you know, instantly jumped to ovarian cancer. I went down all those rabbit holes, anxiety, fear, my mind body connection was working against me, you know, before I even got to the doctor's office, I was metastasizing and, you know, in my brain and my bones were hurting and I couldn't breathe. And, you know, this went on, you know, for a few weeks, I will say. But the one insight I had when waiting for that diagnosis, and again, doctors were closing shop. So they're saying, you might have cancer, but I don't know when we'll get results because everything in King County is like locked down for COVID. So I, that awakening was like tunnel vision into, okay, I can't control that. I can't control even this right now. <laughs> I can't control the pain, but what I can control is my heart and my mind and how I choose to spend each moment while I wait for potentially life-threatening results or, or potentially just surgery. And it was so powerful for someone who'd suffered from anxiety and depression her whole life and always looked for the kind of the negative in things and to feed my story. I was like, oh my gosh, I can choose laughter with my children right now because what else would I want to have to nourish my soul? And what else would I want to be doing? And how do I want to spend these final, which felt like final days? Um, and so we went and we were in nature and, and I went up to the mountains and I found joy and laughter. And I'll tell you, there was bad nights of pain, really bad pain. <laughs> and I still could see it and distance from it and find the positive of I have my family, I have love, I have food, I'm privileged, I'm off work. Um, not everyone gets that. And how can I choose to turn this around? 
And so I began, um, you know, reframing my thoughts. I called out to my community and said, can you guys start envisioning healthy cells and dissolving of this, you know? I, so met- I, I, I would love to learn some of these tools in more detail, but before we go into that, tell me how life is different now once you applied these tools that we are going to talk in just a few minutes. Yeah, so on a concrete level, I found out it wasn't cancer and they went in for surgery. I got to wait three months and practice all these tools and there was nothing there. Wonderful. So a blessing. my core belief around this was that the tools I used, that my mind-body connection working for me healed my own illness that was probably related to stress. And my SI joint pain went away, my sciatica went away, the cyst. And what I found was, you know what? Hospice right now is not aligning with me. Love it, loved my job. But I said, I'm burnt out, my body told me so, and I am going to help others. And so that was, it really happened overnight. It was like this dream, this calling of, I want to help others in healthcare, women, leaders, much like you, to deal with their stress in a way that's, um, you know, practical, that they can do themselves. And so wonderful, wonderful. You remind so much of my own journey, you know, uh, when I got into car accident, that was uh, in 2004. And, you know, as you are talking about your journey, it kind of uh, reminds me how overnight, you know, uh, very functioning, you know, I had, uh, I had new business, I had, uh, we had moved in new building, and boom, with the car accident, I broke my right hand. And so now I could not function, you know, the basic things of life, I was not able to function. And uh, once I got better, and I was able to come back to work, um, I had this calling that I need to share the tools that are helping me outside the office to help people like me so that they don't have to get sick and and then become my patients. I wanted to help them use these tools and uh, not suffer unnecessarily. So it seems like our missions got really aligned over there after this life-changing experience. So that's wonderful. So can you teach us some of these tools that helped you uh, in, in, in your journey? Yes. And just much like you, I have lots of tools. So I'll just go over a few. And, you know, like I said, one of them was positive, you know, visions. And, and I'm sharing it more than I'm going to teach that one. But envisioning the result I wanted rather than the result I was afraid of because it's like that focus, what you focus on is what you get. So the more I realized if I can't control anything, I can control my thoughts. And if I can control that I could dissolve this cyst and I could become healthy and I could be running again and caring for my children, why not? You know, why not choose those greater thoughts? So that was one tool. And the other one So like, let me just kind of go, I think this is very important. And that sometimes confuses some people. Because I think people, you know, the people who reject the idea in terms of, okay, so how can you just imagine that biological event would reverse just by thinking? 
and 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 uh, sometimes people also get confused in the sense that when some people do think that way and it does not reverse then they have not availed the benefits of the treatment and cause more problem while waiting for their thoughts to kick in and i want to kind of find and you know, clarify that for our audience in terms of how do you find the best of both worlds so you being a science based nurse and me being the medical doctor how do you integrate this you know somewhat new age thought that you can heal yourself by thinking thinking positive thoughts versus the science of how th- healing occurs so can you put some I light love, on that i love that question because and maybe i should reframe that it's not necessarily me healing myself so much as when i integrated during that period of time it was a whole bunch of things i was still going to my western doctors i was still following their treatment plan i still wanted surgery i was using western pain meds i was using herbal meds because i've also have an herbalist background i uh, was seeing my spiritual naturopath i was um meeting with a community of people that are close to me that i could cry and talk about with so for me it is a true blend of both not saying no to one and not saying no to the other but honoring all parts yeah and so with- that is the whole focus of that is what integrative medicine is that the functional medicine when you take the best of all the all the resources that are available rather than just one or the other and so i want people to not get confused by right. saying okay just do prayers and forget about treatment no do the treatment do the prayers do the self care do everything that is within your capacity for a holistic approach so thank and you and also yes especially i mean i've suffered from anxiety and depression and i still take medications for that but i have a belief that goes with it that aligns with this is working this is helping and what i do want to say about the science is we do know that positive thoughts and getting out of fight or flight into our chill parasympathetic you know this decreases inflammation gives you feel good hormones gives you stuff that helps you heal when cortisol's pumping through your body when you're in fight or flight and i thought i was metastasizing that's not helping healing but when you can find calm there is science to show that not only is it your brain that's lighting up in good places but there's neurochemicals throughout your body that will help now i am one to always say I don't know for sure that what I did caused that cyst to go away or for me to feel better. But I do know that it made me feel better to reach for the positive thought. And it made my life more joyful. And so, you know, and that's the thing cuz even if, you know, the worst case you're dying of a disease, well you have a choice, right, in those moments to choose joy or to choose the dark rabbit hole. right yeah 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 i have shared in one of the other programs one of the examples when a patient of mine got diagnosed with something that she was told that you have probably 5 years to live and so she was just all breaking down in terms of okay i only have 5 years i only have i can't do this i can't do that i can't do that and she was getting so worked up that she was losing the ability to enjoy that time and so once we kind of started helping her shift the mindset 
to I have five whole years to do all the things that I could have only had five months or I could have only had five days or five minutes because she actually went in with the COVID type of symptoms. And so she could have had like, you know, only a few minutes left or a few days left, but she got, you know, she got a diagnosis that was five years. And once she put it in the perspective, then she said, yeah, that is my second chance my opportunity to do all the things that I wanted to do. So then she she was starting to feel better and then you start utilizing that time. So I think that takes you to the next step of uh, your technique that you were going to share. So go ahead. Yeah, so I think what I've found is not everyone has the time to get on their yoga mat every day or to meditate. <laughs> or maybe you're not in a space where you even feel well enough to do that kind of stuff. And so that's kind of the space I was dealing with. Two little ones a lot of pain, COVID lockdown. So mine were many moments of mindfulness. And I know you have a similar thing, but I'll share how I do it. And that literally was to step outside. Just anytime something came up, bubbled up, like anger, grief, pain, you know, and I have trauma response. So it goes to my amygdala. I don't even know what I'm feeling. I just went outside, took off my shoes and put my toes in the grass. I probably did this three times a day for three months. It wasn't planned. It was just, and I would just name what I saw and heard and smelled and tasted and touched. So this is the five senses practice. And, you know, I didn't do it in an order where I had to remember or felt bad because I couldn't remember. <laughs> I just said, I'm touching the tree. I can hear the birds, I can smell the grass. And it instantly pulled me out of that trauma fight or flight into the present. And I was reconnected with my heart. And the question I asked probably three times a day was, what is it that I need in this moment to nourish myself? And that was not a question I had asked myself probably my entire life. And I realized how much I'd been giving and what it really that I thought it was selfish to be giving back. And I, I learned through this journey, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like food. I need to give to me like food so I can continue to give to my family, my community, my patients. And now again, I was privileged. I have these moments, but even in a work day, you can step outside no matter how stressful. You can engage your senses, even in your office chair, naming, listening, tasting, smelling. And in studies show in one deep breath or engaging a sense, you're pulling yourself out of that fight or flight into your present and reconnecting because that's what it's about, reconnecting with yourself so that you even know what you're feeling and what you need. And I have a similar exercise I call feet to floor when I let people go from you know, starting from toes to to the head and and we combine a bunch of different exercises like that to ground yourself right within you know in between patients but going from one one office to the other this is an excellent alternative to name things because then it brings it uh, to your awareness even more strongly so good so there was another another technique you were talking about compassion and I'm really excited to hear how do we develop compassion with balance because I think I have seen you know cases where 
people have a compassion fatigue and uh, especially healing professionals, they're kind of caring for people so much. What you mentioned, you know, hospice became too much. I had uh, one person who was in the cancer care and it became too much. And so, yeah, so can you share the tool that uh, helped you overcome your compassion fatigue and, yes. and create that balance between self-compassion and other compassion? love it. Thank you. And I, again, I didn't even know it to looking back. And I looked back and said, you know, before all this pain, my boss was calling me in his office saying, patients are complaining that you're just checking the boxes, you know, and this was horrifying. I'd never heard that kind of feedback in my 13 years in healthcare. And that is a red flag for compassion fatigue. You know, it's like, you're going in, just checking the boxes. Dr. Kristen Neff has really intellectualized self-compassion and as you know, and the audience may or may not know, but, you know, spiritual teachers have been talking about self-compassion for probably hundreds of thousands of years, but people like Tara Brock and Pema Chodron, and they, they come at it from a more spiritual side and you don't have to believe in any particular religion, but I have been trained in uh, Dr. Neff's method and I'm going towards a certification. And so that's the one I used. And honestly, I was using it before I even know she taught it, you know, it's pretty intuitive. And the method is placing in my, how I do it is placing your hand on your heart, taking some deep breaths. And I, I advise all the audiences that are listening. And if you're not driving, go ahead and try to follow these steps because I think this is very powerful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, bring into your attention something that you're struggling with. That's not too complicated not too simple, perhaps what we're just talking about physical pain, or grief or compassion fatigue, and just breathe into that and name it for yourself, honoring that you're feeling it. It's okay to feel this way. Lean into it a little bit, surrender. And breathe. So I am feeling uh, exhausted. I am feeling overwhelmed. These are things I hear from nurses a lot lately. I am feeling like I have no time and allow it instead of shoving it. And then recognize you're not alone in your suffering and others feel this too, and that you're connected to all beings, but especially beings going through the, a similar situation. If you're in healthcare or you're in female and leadership, we struggle with the same things and there's healing in that. And then, you know, recognize that it's a moment of suffering that will pass. It's not permanent. And breathe. And bring to your attention someone in your life who's nurturing or someone you imagine to be nurturing, like a mother figure or a friend. And what would they say to you in this moment? It's okay, you're not alone. I'm here with you, you'll get through this. And try to say those words to yourself. You know, our inner critic runs strong. The more we can kind of speak to that inner critic and soothe it, the, the more powerful, the more healing we can feel from this practice. Breathe. And the last question to ask yourself is the one I mentioned, which is, what do I need to feel nourished in this moment? If it's something simple like water, food, great. 
if it's a little bit bigger, take note, maybe you need 10 minutes before when you get home to just be outside before you walk in the door. Or maybe it's just soaking your feet tonight. Whatever you need, try to give it to yourself. And breathe. And just remove your hands from your heart. Notice if your heart feels any different in how you feel. I feel calmer. Like I was like, I didn't realize that I was going go, 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 go. And my heart beating was so fast trying to go from one meeting to the other, to the other. And while, while you're doing this exercise, I started feeling that and recognize that. Uh, and, and now I'm feeling a little calmer. And I realized that even people who are teaching it, they get into this issue too. So <laughs> audiences, if you get into that situation, just know that everybody goes through those phases and you can still calm yourself down. So thank you. Thank you. We're all human. Believe me, I still have coaches who remind me to practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful, wonderful. So tell me if uh, people don't do uh, these mini mindfulness retreats and, and, and have that balance and compassion and, and shift their mindset, what kind of problems they could have? <laughs> well, you could end up like me where, you know, do as I say, not as I do, where you didn't notice the red flags, the symptoms of burnout, such as insomnia, irritability, um, compassion fatigue, depression, and then for me, I had these obscure physical symptoms that yeah, people develop chronic pain and oh yeah, and yeah. the cyst. And I had I didn't even talk about, but I had GI issues, classic yeah. stress that I'd never had my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and you could also just end up at a place where you're mentally, physically unable to work. Mm -hmm. And so the, the idea that it's not an uh, indulgence or a want to do a little bit of mental reframing and self-care. It's a, it's a need. Yeah, it's an absolute need. And if they, people do do these things, what kind of benefits they can get? Oh, I mean, it's the sky's the limit. You know, I'm still learning all the benefits, but obviously could be physical healing um, and then emotional healing and um, improvements on mental health, you know, my anxiety and depression certainly have improved and finding what aligns with your spirit and your gifts. So I think the more you can practice tools and figure out what your gifts are, you really start to learn, you know, is this job a good fit? Is this role the right fit? Is, you know, my family life balanced in such a way where I feel like I'm thriving and of course, joy, which is, you know, in your book. And then what we, we started with at the beginning is just really the power of finding joy in each moment mm -hmm. is, is amazing. Yeah. I feel like people are able to be their best. Mm -hmm. They're able to be their best without burnout, without unnecessary suffering when they take these steps to optimize their, their mental health and well-being. So do you have any take-home message, any uh, call that, uh, to action that you want our audience to do after they listen to this program? Oh, yeah. Come to my website. Come check me out. So you can find me at uh, nurseyoursoulwithlisa.com. 
And I am offering a 45 minute free coaching call for anyone, any listener that mentions this talk. And uh, we will talk about your major barriers to mental, emotional, spiritual wellness. And we'll work through those in the call and figure out a plan. And I also have a Facebook group for women in medicine called Burnout to Bliss. I'd love for you to join. And I have a monthly group that meets live via Zoom. And you can find information about that um, if you follow me on Facebook, same as my website, Nurse Your Soul with Lisa. And that's just a great place for uh, using some of the tools. I guide you through it and then learning from your peers and connecting. Um, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Lisa. We learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners may benefit. Whether you are in healthcare field or not, uh, you can benefit with some of these tools that Lisa shared today. And as always, you know, all the resources that we share in these programs, you can find them at happyandhealthymind.com. And now it's time for special. Seeing that Lisa was talking so much about mindfulness, why don't we focus on three mindfulness mistakes to avoid? Would you like to learn that? Yeah, I think I think a lot of beginners make, uh, you know, they hear this word mindfulness and they develop their concept in mind and they start practicing here and there. And, and sometimes it is, uh, they don't find the benefit right away or they find that benefits don't last and, and they start kind of feeling, uh, oh, this doesn't work. And so I want to share these three mistakes you want to avoid. All right, so the first mistake that you want to avoid is knowing that mindfulness is not one thing. Mindfulness is combination of at least three major concepts and that's why I call them map of mindfulness. You know how I sometimes use the example of a person who was, we were trying to teach him to be mind, develop this practice of uh, calming down using biofeedback. Okay, so we had a, a biofeedback device and it, it's supposed to help him calm down. Well, he was obsessing so much that he was constantly looking how many times he's getting stressed. You now people wear these rings, stress rings, and they're constantly looking at, oh my God, my stress level is high. Oh my God, my stress level is high. <laughs> they're actually building it up. So uh, when it comes to observation and mindfulness, it's not just observe things, but observe things non-judgmentally don't keep on putting you know this is right this is wrong oh my god i'm stressed oh my god this is happening oh. it is observing without putting any judgment so that is the attitude of mindfulness that is a major part of uh, mindfulness that could help you so the mistake number one don't forget the attitude of mindfulness. The second mistake people do is they confuse between, you know, we were discussing about connecting with nature, becoming aware versus sitting down and meditation. And because these words are kind of used interchangeably, people sometimes get confused. So, so know that mindfulness is both practice of mindfulness in day, daily activities, what Lisa was describing, when you can take this one moment of uh, within the work, 
uh, work hours or getting at home or wherever you are becoming totally present using all your five senses that's practice of mindfulness and daily activities versus meditation of mindfulness where you sit down for five ten minutes and you kind of close the or, or, or decrease the stimulation that is coming from outside and then just focus inside and meditations could be of many different types some people focus on you know one word or one concept or one picture when you are focused on your observing your thoughts and your present moment that is called meditation so that's why i call it a map of mindfulness meditation attitude and practice so that map so if you want you are practicing mindfulness practice it fully avoid these mistakes so then you can actually feel the benefit of mindfulness and it is a muscle that you're building like you know when you are uh, trying to learn any activity you're trying to learn how to drive when you're trying to learn how to bike or swim or any any skill you don't learn the first time around right when you would get on that bike you may fall down and you may uh, you may have difficulty i'm still having difficulty learning to swim every time i go in the water i'm still feeling that fear and so you have to gradually allow yourself to learn that skill and so in terms of mindfulness you're allowing your mind and your body to learn that skill of being present in the moment uh, moment by moment, non-judgmentally and intentionally. Once you practice, you'll see that you are you are feeling more calmer, and you'll be able to accept what it is and make the best decision within whatever circumstances you are presented, and make the best out of each moment of life. So I leave you with a question: Today is the first day of the rest of your life. What? do you choose to do going forward to nourish your soul on that note stay safe happy and healthy until next time dr rosie